Hey guys, welcome back to Recalibrate, a mindset podcast designed to help you and others (laughs) break free from the old and press on to the new. What is the old? Old mental constructs, paradigms, mindsets, thought patterns, strongholds, stinking thinking, (laughs) you name it. Whatever is keeping you from accomplishing everything that God has already purposed for your life. If you are a subscriber, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And if this is your first time connecting to Recalibrate, I hope that you get more than you expected. After listening to today's episode, if you end up feeling that it blessed your life, would you take a few minutes of your time to give us a five-star rating and to also leave a comment, some positive feedback for us? It helps us connect with other people who are also looking for a podcast that will help them renew their minds, bringing transformation to their whole beings. In advance, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your time. Some of you are aware of my background. Some of you are not. I've been an educator for close to 30 years. I've taught from elementary school all the way through college. I've also directed schools in Mexico and the U.S. I'm a keynote speaker, speak at conferences, both here and in Mexico as well. My favorite topic is mental health, especially adolescent mental health. My background is in psychology. My, my bachelor's is in psychology. My master's is in counseling and life coaching. And uh, my doctorate, which I'm currently in, is in trauma, in psychological trauma. So I've always been interested in the mind and how the mind works and why people think certain ways. Early in my career as an educator, I became very interested in the theory of multiple intelligence developed by Howard Gardner, a Harvard professor, to the point that I became certified under Howard Gardner to teach multiple intelligence. And I incorporated that back in the early 90s into my classroom. And so I was able to see how differentiated learning worked and how powerful it was. So I've always been interested in the mind to the point where my TED Talk, if you've never come across my TED Talk, I would encourage you to listen to it. It's called You Are What You Think. And so (laughs) think, so you see how interested I've always been in the thought process. Uh, I can quote scripture, (laughs) That has to do with thinking. One of my favorite uh, pieces of scripture is was written by Solomon. He said, "As a man thinks in his heart, so is he." Another translation says, "Where the mind goes, the man follows." Uh, Paul, when he spoke to the Romans, and if you've listened to my previous episodes, you've heard me quote this one out of Romans. He said, "Don't conform to the ways of the world, but be ye transformed." by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve God's perfect, pleasing, and goodwill for your life. So, I am a mind geek. (laughs) I am a mind geek. I really love, if you look at my library of books, most of them have to do with the mind. I believe it is an art and it is fascinating to hack the minds of people. Never for ill, but always for good. Always to help them get from where they are 
to where they desire to see themselves. Always in alignment, of course, with God's purpose for their lives. One of my favorite books in my library is by Dr. Robert Cialdini. It's called Influence the Psychology of Persuasion, written in 1984. I was privileged to meet Dr. Cialdini in person and spend half a day with him under his tutelage. I mean, listening to him speak and teach, I was able to take a lot of the concepts a lot of the principles and practices, and apply them to my own practice as a counselor and life coach, and I have seen the benefits. Later on in 2016, he wrote another book called Presuasion, A Revolutionary Way to Influence and Persuade. Both of them are great books. They have slightly different principles and practices. I want to share a short clip of Robert Cialdini's. I've heard it said that the most valuable thing in today's world, post-industrial world, is the human being's attention and how to get it. Is that true? I believe that. Psychology professor Robert Cialdini, marketing maven, art enthusiast, palm reader. I used to be a palm reader, and I learned the trick that they use to make people say they're right almost always. So what was the trick? In the 80s, Cialdini wrote an attention-getting classic, Influence, the Psychology of Persuasion, intended to arm consumers against manipulative marketers. But those who made the book famous were the persuaders themselves, who make a living beckoning us every step we take. Those ads, those signs, that's old-school persuasion, directing people's minds to the content. In recent years, however, Cialdini has made a new discovery about how to spin friends and influence people. What I'm talking about is persuasion, directing their minds to the moment before they experience the content. Yes, persuasion, the title of his new book. Persuasion is the practice of getting people sympathetic to your message before they experience it. Before they even hear it, you mean? It is what you say immediately before you deliver your message that leverages your success tremendously. Or if you are the messagee that plays you like a puppet. There's a study that shows that people who were asked their political opinions when there was a picture of the American flag in the corner of the uh, questionnaire reported more favorable attitudes toward Republican Party positions because the flag is typically associated in people's minds with a Republican belief set. As are churches, and studies show that persuasive cues can subconsciously affect actual voting. If people vote at a polling place inside a church, they vote more Republican. If they vote at a polling place inside a school, they vote more Democrat. Interesting concept, wouldn't you say? (laughs) I mean, we're still going through a pandemic. Our electoral process is under scrutiny. There is civil unrest. The Associated Press has announced Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as president and vice president-elect. And since when does media announce the results of an electoral process? Now, let me stop for just a moment and preface by saying that this episode is not in any way, shape, or form a political one. (laughs) There is no political agenda behind this episode. However, I will refer uh, to the times that we are living in to show you how suggestible our minds can be. Talk about influence. 
<laughs> the psychology of persuasion. Cialdini explains that people are oftentimes manipulated as they seek social proof. In other words, <laughs> monkey see, monkey do. If one person is doing it or a group of people are doing it, well, why not just join in and fit in rather than stand out? Some people out there in the streets of Portland, Oregon or D.C., some of them don't even know what they're protesting about. <laughs> they don't know why they hate the current president, but they've heard a certain rhetoric. And what do they do? Monkey see, monkey do. People are looting, they loot. People are destroying, they destroy. People are attacking, they attack. They are moved by social proof. Have you ever wondered why sitcoms often have laugh tracks? Yeah, I mean, if you've ever watched Seinfeld or Friends, you've probably heard in the background where they have these laugh tracks, these laughter that always sounds the same. In fact, research indicates that laugh tracks will make you laugh longer and more often, especially especially at bad jokes. Kind of crazy. This is due to the principle of social proof, which states that we often decide what the correct course of action is by looking to others' behavior. Did you hear what I just said? That social proof states that we often decide what the correct course of action is by looking to other people's behavior. In the case of the laugh track, or even artificial laughter, helps convince others that the joke is funny, meaning that you should probably laugh. You see, this dynamic is also used by church ushers. <laughs> Not church I go to, I hope. <laughs> they salt collection baskets. That's the concept. To salt collection baskets means to add a few bills before the service to make it seem like everyone is making a donation or an offering. And it's why companies often advertise products with lines like best-selling or fastest growing. <laughs> it makes customers feel like others are buying the products too. You see, social proof becomes a particularly powerful influence when we face uncertainty. How many of you ever watched a Billy Graham crusade? Now think back. They were recorded way back in the day when it was black and white. And he would gather at stadiums. Thousands of people would gather. And then at the end, after he would, he would share a very compelling message a message of salvation, and he would encourage people to surrender their lives to Christ, you would immediately see hundreds of people stand up and walk down the steps onto the field right in front of Billy Graham. And after those hundreds would come, thousands would follow. Tonight, and he can change your life. I'm asking you tonight to follow him to serve him, to let him come into your heart and forgive you of your past sins, to start you in a They would direction. all end up on the field facing Billy Graham while he led them in a prayer Savior. of salvation. It was amazing to watch. Can I tell you a little Roman secret? <laughs> Did you recall what I said? I said hundreds would stand up and walk. And thousands would follow. Yes, you heard what I said. Hundreds would stand, but thousands would follow. Can I tell you that the strategy was to position hundreds of people in strategic areas around the stadium that on cue 
would stand. Was there ill intent behind this? Well, no, there wasn't. The idea was that if someone wanted to accept Christ, many of them would be a little ashamed or fearful or embarrassed to get up. I mean, you're talking about a stadium with 10, 20,000 people. I mean, would you stand up and say, hey, pick me. <laughs> I want to go down to the field. I want to surrender my life. I want to accept that I'm a sinner. <laughs> well, probably not. But when you see hundreds of people go before you, it entices you. It uh, motivates you. It empowers you. It equips you to do the same, to follow suit. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit wasn't truly at work. The Holy Spirit was at work. Billy Graham's message was powerful. But again, they needed the motivation to step out of their seats, to step out of their comfort zones, and go down to the field. Back in 1951, Solomon Ash developed a series of experiments called conformity experiments. And they are among the most famous in psychology's history and have inspired others to conduct additional research on conformity and group behavior. You see, this research has provided important insight into how, why, and when people conform and the effects of social pressure on behavior. The Bible addresses the dangers of social conformity. Once again, social conformity translated into uh, colloquialism is monkey see, monkey do. Paul writes to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 2, and he says, do not conform to the ways of the world. He's saying, don't be like everyone. Don't do as everyone. Don't conform to the ways of the world, he continues by saying, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve God's perfect pleasing and goodwill for your life. What he was saying is, make sure that you're constantly renewing your mindset, bringing forth transformation so that you don't fall into the rut of conformity, adjusting to the belief system, ideology, and behaviors of others. Let me ask you a question. As you listen to the news or you watch them on social media or you read the tabloids, can you spot social conformity? Can you see Masses of people all doing the exact same thing, like I mentioned earlier, either rioting, looting, attacking, vandalizing. Do you see it? That's social conformity. These people are running amok and don't even know why they are doing it most of the time. If you were to stop someone protesting against our current president, President Trump, many of them have no idea why they hate him. <laughs> they really don't. They have no clue. But they hear other people hate on him. They hear other people speak ill of him. And again, this is not a political episode. Let me, let me just make sure that you understand. This is not a political rant. I love you, honor, and respect you right where you're at, whatever your political party is. I, for one, can tell you that I am pro-life and I am pro-family. I respect our military and our law enforcement. So now let's get back on track again. <laughs> and let me state this once again. The crux of this message is that the mind is easily manipulated. 
Have you ever heard of the five monkey experiment? <laughs> I love it. I use it a lot in conferences. Let me, let me share it with you today. And uh, I hope it sheds a little bit of light on the topic that I'm addressing today. You see, a researcher put five monkeys in a cage. Now, I want you to visualize this. If you can, close your eyes right now. Now, please don't if you're driving. <laughs> Do not close your eyes if you are driving, please. <laughs> but of course, if you can, please do so that you can imagine this experiment. So a researcher put five monkeys in a cage. There's a bunch of bananas hanging from a string with a ladder leading to the bananas. Now, when the first monkey goes for the bananas, the researcher sprays all five monkeys with freezing water for five minutes. Sometime later, when a second monkey inevitably tries to go for the bananas, the researcher once again sprays all five monkeys with the cold water for five more minutes. The researcher then puts the hose away and never touches it again. But then a third monkey tries to go for the bananas. The other four attack him to prevent him from climbing that ladder. They are afraid. They're afraid of the punishment that they may receive. Then... The researcher replaces one of the monkeys with a new monkey who wasn't even part of the original experiment and was never sprayed with water. And as soon as he touches the ladder to go for the bananas, the other four monkeys attack him <laughs> to keep him from doing so. If he tries again, they attack him again. Thus, the new monkey learns not to go after the bananas because he will get attacked over and over if he does. The researcher replaces a second monkey with another new monkey. When this monkey goes for the bananas, the other four attack him, including the new one, who was never sprayed with the water. The researcher then continues to replace all the monkeys one at a time until all five of the original monkeys are removed from the cage. Each time the newcomer goes for the bananas, the others attack even when they, as new monkeys, have never received punishment for going after the bananas. And thus, the new monkeys, who have never been sprayed with cold water, learn not to go after the temptation of the bananas. In a sense, the monkeys have been manipulated or indoctrinated to believe a certain ideology based on no prior experience. And this is how ideas are passed on from generation to generation. Not only ideas, but hate and disgust towards something or someone. And oftentimes the group of individuals don't even understand why they have so much hatred towards that one thing. They just hate it because they've been taught to do so. And how do you teach someone to hate how do you teach someone to have a certain ideology? How do you teach someone to have a particular worldview? Well, you do it through education. And that's why education is so powerful. Keep in mind that a child is in a classroom for more than eight hours a day. They spend more quality time with their mentor, their teacher, their tutor, than they do with their own parents. And so the education system has extreme power over the minds of our children, and they are subject to those teachings on a daily basis. So once again, how do we teach someone to believe a certain way? We repeat it. Repetition. Repetition. Whatever you hear over time, over time, it will become your reality, just like the monkeys, without even knowing. 
And in a blink of an eye, that one idea has now become you. A Georgia Tech professor was having a heated argument with a Christian female student. He said to her, you're asking too many questions and you're only here to listen and to learn. You students, you've been indoctrinated for 18 years of your life by your parents and the church, and we only have four years to undo the damage they have caused. So sit down and listen. We're in the middle of a war of ideas, and the objective is to capture the next generation's mind. Karl Marx once said, As soon as children become independent from their mothers, local state institutions should be in charge of their education. Lenin said, Give me four years to educate a child, and the seed that I will sow in their minds will never be removed. Stalin said, education is a weapon and its effectiveness depends on who controls it. Adolf Hitler said, let me control the textbooks and I will control the state and the minds of everyone. Horace Mann, who happened to be the founder pretty much of public education in the United States once said, we who are engaged in the sacred cause of education are entitled to look upon all parents as having given hostages to our cause. And yes, the hostages that he was referring to are children. Let me just say this, that education can form or deform a child's worldview. So the question is, who is educating your children? Who are you allowing to mold and shape their minds? Are you just dropping them off as hostages to someone else's cause? Or are you truly engaged in what they're learning? Let me, let me just share this with you right now. I want you to gain a better perspective of how much time your children, if you have children at this point, how much time they spend uh, at home, at the church, on social media, and at school. Between the ages of 5 and 18, if a child goes to church once a week, they will have spent 750 hours going to church. If they go twice a week, if they go Wednesdays and Sundays, well, they will have spent 1,500 hours. This is between the ages of 5 and 18. I want you to gain some perspective. 1,500 hours going twice a week. Now, on social media, on average, between the ages of 5 and 18, a child, a young adult, will spend an average of 15,000 hours. Yeah, did you hear what I said? I said 1,500 hours at church going twice a week. Social media, 15,000 hours. Now, do you think that that has the ability, the capacity, the power to influence, to indoctrinate, to change the mindset of an individual through repetition? Of course. Of course. Whatever they see, although it might not be truth, their minds will accept it as such because their subconscious mind has no filter. Whatever they are subjecting their mind to, repeatedly over time, will become their truth. The more you say it, the more you believe it, the more it becomes your reality. And so, once again, at church, seven, uh, 1,500 hours going twice a week. Social media, 15,000 hours. School. Now, listen. Between the ages of 5 and 18, children, young adults, will spend an average of 16,000 hours. 
Yes, 16,000 hours at school. And so if you think about it, where do they spend the most time? At school. And so choosing where your children go to school, choosing what they're being taught is important. And that's why there's such a huge homeschool movement right now. Parents don't want their children indoctrinated to believe a certain way. Listen, if you don't teach your children the truth, someone else will teach them a lie. It's that plain and simple. And their lie will become your child's truth. I mean, come on. Would you allow your child to go to a school that taught that two plus two is five or that turtles are faster than cheetahs or that the United States was defeated by the Nazis or that the law of gravity is a lie? I mean, would you allow your children to go to a school that taught these ridiculous lies? You wouldn't. Of course not. And so why do parents send their kids to schools that teach that God is irrelevant and non-existent, that there's no truth or veracity in the Bible and God's word, or that God did not create the world, that God did not create man, and that we are the product of some cosmic explosion or evolved from the chimpanzees, that same-sex marriage is profitable for society, and if you refute that, then you're a homophobe. I mean, come on. Why Are you allowing your children to be indoctrinated under this type of teaching? Truth be told, anything that is repeated, any idea that is repeated over time will become a reality. The more you say it, the more life you give it, the more the subconscious mind accepts it as truth. Do you want to know how long it takes to change the minds of people, to create a new reality? It only takes a few months. Give them something like COVID-19. Scare the living daylights out of them. Make them believe through repetition, through statistics, through news, through social media, through YouTube, through Facebook, through tweets. Make them believe through the repetition of an idea that if they contract the virus, that they surely will die. So sooner than later, you have everyone, not only a nation, but the whole globe wearing masks, wearing gloves, sanitizing, social distancing, staying inside their homes, slowing down the economy. I mean, it's not only a pandemic, it caused extreme pandemonium. Not only did people die from the coronavirus because they had underlying issues like diabetes, Uh, some were morbidly obese or had respiratory issues, but a lot of others died simply because They were afraid. They died out of fear. I'm not trying to downplay or undermine the precautionary measures that we should be taking as we continue to face this pandemic. All I'm saying is that this coronavirus, it isn't the first threatening disease that has surged around the world, nor will it be the last. In just a few months, it has completely shifted the way that we think, the the way that we do things. Uh, our outlook on life, our worldview. And I guarantee you that once this has been lifted, once uh, we hear from the CDC or from our local authorities that it is safe to take off the gloves, take off the masks, and go back to life as usual, you're going to see a large portion of the population wearing masks, perhaps for many more years to come. 
because their minds have been warped by the repetition of numbers, facts, ideas, and doctrines. Some people are more easily persuaded than others. Some people are more gullible than others. Some people position themselves to be manipulated mentally and emotionally. I mean, that's just uh, the truth. And so you're probably asking yourself, well, if I'm one of those individuals, how do I stop it? How do I, how do I keep from falling into that trap of being persuaded or manipulated? Well, number one, and most importantly, identify that you are easily persuaded, identify that you are easily manipulated, and number two, stop taking the bait. (laughs) Stop taking the bait. I mean, turn off social media. If that's what's affecting you the most, turn off the news. If that's affecting you the most, disconnect and reconnect if you're a believer with God's word. Reconnect with his promises. Reconnect with your identity in Christ and disconnect from the news. Disconnect from social media platforms. Disconnect from rumors and conspiracy theorists. And by all means, disconnect from individuals and organizations that you have identified as manipulating forces in your life. Organizations like Black Lives Matter, I mean, the goal of the organization goes far beyond what most people think, but they're hiding in plain sight. They are for the world to see. If only we read beyond the slogans and the innocuous sounding media accounts of the movement. You see, the group's radical Marxist agenda would supplant the basic building blocks of society and family with the state and destroy the economic system that has lifted more people from poverty than any other. Listen. Black lives and all lives would be harmed. There is a blueprint for misery, not justice, and it must be rejected. However, what media is putting out there regarding the organization is completely contrary to their reality. Just go to their website, read about their core values, if they have any, read about their mission, their vision, read about their agenda, what they're about, what they defend, what they promote. It will shock you. One of their recent posts on their website reads, we worked long and hard to ensure we did all we could to vote Donald Trump out of the White House. We succeeded. And in doing so, we even elected a black woman, the first black woman, to the vice presidency. But the truth is, getting Trump out of office was not the end-all, be-all. The work is just beginning. We start by both holding the new president-elect and vice president-elect accountable to their campaign commitments of addressing systemic racism and by emphasizing our willingness to work with them. Seriously? Systemic racism? (laughs) Really? We've had a black president, Barack Obama, and now a supposed vice president-elect who happens to be black, and they continue to accuse the nation of being systemically racist. Really? A lot of these organizations or even individuals will offer to help, will offer to give you something, to put something in your hand. Let me tell you, the moment they do this, you have opened up the door once you accept and you become much more easily persuaded and much more easily manipulated. Social psychologists call it the law of reciprocity. And it basically says that when someone does something nice for you or good for you, 
you will have a deep-rooted psychological urge to do something nice in return. As a matter of fact, you may even reciprocate with a gesture far more generous than the original good deed. Case in point, walk into a mall, the main corridor, and you will find multiple kiosks. There's always going to be that one kiosk that has a male and a female worker. They look like they have just been pulled out of a GQ magazine. They look great. And what are they doing? They are selling hand lotions straight from the Dead Sea. Yes, you heard it, the Dead Sea. And what do they do? They either offer to sample some of the lotion on your hands, or they provide you with a baggie with complimentary samples. Now, the moment that you accept the sample, whether it is rubbed on your hands or it is provided to you in a bag, psychologically, the law of reciprocity states that you develop a psychological deep, deep subconscious psychological urge to reciprocate whatever they've done for you, and it usually outweighs their deed. In other words, they give you a small sample that probably cost a penny, and yet you end up buying a jar of their Dead Sea <laughs> lotion for $40, and you even say, thank you. <laughs> that is called persuasion, manipulation, and the law of reciprocity. So yes, you know, when my wife and I are walking into the mall through the main corridor, <laughs> whether it is a kiosk or a store and employees jumping out to provide you with a baggie and samples, yes, you know what we do. We simply say, no thanks. And the reason we react this way is very simple. We are educated in the subject of persuasion. We understand it. We know how they operate. I am probably one of the most difficult people to deal with in a car dealership because I'm not easily persuaded. I understand the tactics. I understand that you sell by using psychology. I understand how pressure works. I understand that. And therefore, I don't fall into that trap. I don't take the bait. And so the more informed you are, the more difficult it is for people to manipulate you, to indoctrinate you, and to persuade you into something that down the road is going to bring more harm than benefits into your life. And so here are a few easy steps to take to bulletproof yourself from being indoctrinated, manipulated, or persuaded to do something that could be counterproductive to your life, to your well-being. And so number one is ask for evidence. You see, people around you will make all sorts of claims and just expect you to accept them as true simply because they made them. Unfortunately, many of us are conditioned from a young age to do just that, to accept whatever others claim, of course, as if they always know better than us. You want to reverse this tendency. And the way you do this is by getting used to regularly asking questions, questioning the accuracy of people's claims. And when you have reasons to doubt it, asking them for evidence that supports them. If they fail to provide good evidence, which they will often do, then you have no good reason to believe their claims. Also, make it a habit of studying the opposing view. You see, sometimes people will provide some proof for their claims. Many times, though, the proof will 
only seem convincing until you read or hear the evidence of the opposing side as well. This is why when deciding on an issue, it's crucial to study both sides of the argument, drawing your information from knowledgeable and credible sources before making up your mind. Become mindful of persuasion by repetition. In other words, realize that indoctrination often relies on the persistent repetition, as I mentioned earlier. Whatever is repeated over and over again, the same unproven claims, eventually will solidify in our minds and become a reality. This approach, most of the time, works fairly well. There are quite a few psychological studies that show that the simple repetition of a message without the addition of new arguments to it does make it feel more believable over time. I mean, come on, why do you think social media right now is repeating the same narrative to you over and over and over again in regards to politics? They are repeating a narrative. Why? Because if they do it enough, if they repeat it enough times, that narrative will become your new narrative completely changing your mindset, altering your belief system, your ideologies, you will become indoctrinated into a belief system. In order to protect yourself from falling into this trap, from grabbing the bait, you need to pay attention to messages that you hear and read over and over again and remind yourself that mere repetition of a certain idea does not make it true. Keep yourself vigilant to and cautious of attempts at persuasion by repetition. Be mindful of appeals to popularity. Listen, another common indoctrination tactic is the appeal to popularity, also called appeal to the majority. This is when somebody tries to make an idea seem true by invoking the large number of people who believe it involuntarily. We are frequently tempted to give an idea credence just because it's commonly believed or to cave in to social pressure, as I mentioned earlier, and adopt the beliefs of the majority. Again, awareness of this tendency is the best way to resist it. Bear in mind, listen, bear in mind that the mass appeal of an idea is not in any way a good indicator of the accuracy of such idea. So many times the majority has bought into really dumb ideas. And you know what? (laughs) You can't fix stupid, my friend. You can't fix stupid. So work on improving your social confidence to be better able to resist any form of social pressure. And lastly, if you are a Bible believer, a Christ follower, born again, saved, restored, redeemed, you should have a biblical worldview. Imagine a pair of glasses through which you see the world, and those glasses are the Word of God. And so whatever belief system is out there, whatever ideology, whatever creed, whatever it is, you should always run it through the filter of the Word of God. If it does not match, if it does not line up with God's basic biblical principles, then my friend you know that it is a red flag and you should run. (laughs) Run from that group, run from that organization, run from that movement. 
simply because it does not align itself with God-given principles. All right, guys, I hope this episode has helped you, has broadened your vision, opened up your minds to understand the power of persuasion, manipulation, and indoctrination, how to avoid falling into the trap, and how to avoid taking the bait. So I hope it helps you pass on the word if it uh, has blessed you, uh, if it has empowered you. Share some of your takeaways with us in the uh, comments. Give us a five-star rating if you don't mind. It won't take you but a minute. And uh, I look forward to connecting with you next week once again to listen, to learn, and to grow. God bless you guys. Love you in Christ. Don't forget to share the message.